This is a, a great way of presenting something in a logical fashion. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and it is, as always, a joy to bring the message of God's Word to you today from the pulpit of our church here at the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. Well, I trust that you are growing in grace and going on with God. These are times when we all need to be prodded a little, to be spurred on to do more for Christ and to be less involved in this world and to be active in the cause of Christ's kingdom. And I trust that today that you will be motivated to serve the Lord with all your heart. Now, that motivation comes not just from guilt, but rather from the freedom of guilt and from the power of the gospel working within our souls. I want to serve the Lord because the Lord has saved me, and I'm certainly not serving to be saved. Otherwise, I could never be saved. But I am redeemed by the blood. Therefore, I am a debtor to serve the Lord Jesus with all my heart, soul, and mind. Now, today we're going to be looking at enjoying the blood of Jesus. We're turning to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. And in that passage, you will learn there are contrasts between the blood of beasts and the blood of Christ. Again, we'll be looking at euthanasia, this culture of death in Canada. And I hope that you will listen, take heed, and that the Lord will turn this nation away from a culture of death, that men will choose life and not choose to follow the ways of darkness and death. And so we have this great privilege of ministering God's Word today. Would you open your Bible then at Hebrews chapter 9, and we'll be looking at how much more shall the blood of Jesus. This is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us as we let the Bible speak. How would you answer this question if there was just one thing that you needed to worship God, just one thing. Would it be a church building? Would you say a hymn book, music, a Bible, a preacher to bring a sermon, reverence, the attitude of the fear of God in the midst? Or would you say prayer? Or would you say humility? Some humiliation is required. Or the spirit of thanksgiving. I want to give you the Apostle Paul's answer. If you go to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 7, you will see here that there's one thing that is never to be omitted. It says in Hebrews 9, 7, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood. And this is the all-time 
worldwide principle of worship. It was learned by Abel way back in Genesis chapter 4, when those two brothers worshiped God. Abel's sacrifice of a lamb was accepted, and Cain's fruit of the ground was rejected. Worship must include the element of blood sacrifice. When we go to the book of Revelation, we find that the saints in heaven, that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not unto death. And so when you span the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, we have this principle, this doctrine, this fixed absolute component of worship, not without blood on the night of the Passover when the angel of death visited the homes in Egypt. And the Israelites living there were told to put the blood of the Lamb upon the doorposts. That angel was looking for blood, and without the blood, judgment would come upon that home. We know as Bible believers that peace with God is found through the blood of our Lord Jesus. This chapter 9 is a discussion on the value of Jesus' blood. There is another contrast here between the blood of animals and the blood of Jesus. And you'll notice in verse 14, and we're going to take this today as our text, you have the how much more argument. This is a, a great way of presenting something in a logical fashion. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? Now, this is relevant to us, of course, as we come to the Easter season. We're coming to that time when our thoughts are upon Calvary. And in our church, we take delight in that. And we look forward to the Easter services Sunday prior, the Friday afternoon when we preach the cross, and then, of course, move to the resurrection theme on Easter Sunday. These are great truths, and we take great delight. And as we think of all of that, here is the, the kernel of meaning. And we, today, as we take communion, prepare our hearts. We want to get right thinking about the death, the blood, the cross work of the Lord Jesus. And in that, we need clear views on the power of Jesus' blood. Now, we sing those hymns. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Now, but we must not, as Christians, fall into cliched Christianity. They must not be something we pick up from others but never really think about it. What possibly can be the power that is within the blood of Jesus? Now, you'll see what it does. It says here in this text, it purges your conscience from sin. A troubled conscience is a terrible thing. 
a conscience that is sensing the guilt, the shame, the curse of sin, struggles. And the more we look at truth and the more we come to think of God, the more our hearts are troubled by the conscience. Many people carry terrible loads of guilt. We're not just talking about people who have murdered or someone who has had an abortion or someone who has uh, just totally blown it. Uh, The sense of failure. We come to even ponder the Ten Commandments and the arrows of God's truth like ten fingers point right at us, guilty, guilty, guilty of every one of these things. And after all, in, in, in gospel preaching, we preach against sin. We tell people we are sinners. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And to find relief, to find peace in our hearts against a guilty conscience, there's only one answer. The gospel provides one answer to the troubled heart, and it is faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus. And so, we are brought today to evaluate the value that is in the blood of Jesus. Did I ever tell you that I wanted to be an auctioneer at one time? Could you imagine me uh, selling stuff? I remember doing it once in a young farmer's club. We had a seal. We're trying to raise money for something. And I had the job of being the auctioneer. Well, today we're called to evaluate the blood of the Lord Jesus. Now, it's one thing to sing about it. It's one thing to say, I really do believe it. But can you actually expound and explain wherein lies the power of Jesus' blood? I want to help you, and I want to give us all a clear focus on this subject. How much more the mighty value that is in the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus. Now, let's look at this text, Hebrews 9, verse 14. We enjoy, and I'm, I'm, I'm adding in this word enjoy here, because Calvary means nothing if you're not enjoying it. Calvary will do you no good if it's not the delight of your soul. And so, my first heading is this, You enjoy the value of Jesus' blood when you look at the divinity of his person. Now, I want you to look at this in verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself? Now, the how much more is the comparison between animal sacrifices, the blood of animals, And now the how much more, the blood of Jesus. Now, in verse 13, you'll see that the animal sacrifices are in the plural. The blood of bulls, goats, these are plural. And there were thousands and millions of them. They spoke peace to the conscience of the guilty Israelite. He who brought his sacrifice to the priest confessed his sins on the animal, laying his hands on the head, confessing his sins, and he saw that animal butchered and sacrificed up to God, it 
ministered peace to him. His faith was in the thing that God demanded and God expected. And when that was done, he brought, it brought peace to his heart. How much more shall the blood of Jesus, that is not the blood of an animal, not in the plural, not thousands and millions, but one sacrifice, one sacrifice. And if you flip the page into chapter 10, it will tell you that the blood of animals can never take away sin, but it is the blood of Jesus that takes away sin. Now, go back also to verse 9, chapter 9, verse 9, and you'll see the little word figure, which was a figure for the time then present. That means parable. That little word there is parabolos, parable. Here is something that is a teaching tool. The Old Testament altar, sacrifice, animal were just to teach and to train the Israelite that there was coming a Savior whose blood would, in all its power, satisfy the demands of men. Now, also, Christ's death is more than just human blood. Most likely this year again in the Philippines, there will be those of a Roman Catholic bent who will literally be kneeled to crosses. They think that by imitating Jesus' death on Calvary, by being carried through the streets, kneeled to the cross, a cross, blood, agony, pain, the suffering. I don't think they actually die, although there might be some unintended consequences there, but they imitate the death of Jesus on the cross. Now, there are many thousands over the years who have died as Christian martyrs, but martyrs are not saviors. Martyrs do not redeem. What is it then about the death of Jesus? Makes it more value than the blood of an animal or even of a human? What is it about the person of the Lord Jesus that makes his death, his blood, of such eternal, infinite value? Let's read the text very carefully and how it's put here. Who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God. Now, the eternal spirit, you'll notice in our authorized version, it is an uppercase S. There is some difficulty here in comprehending, is this the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit? Or is this the second person of the Trinity, who by offering his body and soul, he being God and man, that it is by that truth that we can say there is miraculous, supernatural power in the sacrifice, the blood of Jesus. Well, firstly, let me say that Jesus, the eternal second person of the Trinity, died. He was joined to human flesh. That has to be true, because there could be no power in the blood of Jesus if it was not Christ the eternal Son of God, united to Mary's Son, Jesus. And in that body, Christ died for us. We know that is true. The incarnation is true. The unique personality of the God-man is true. 
And when Jesus died on that cross, he died as God and man in one person. His blood was of more value than the blood of a mere human, say the death of a prophet or a martyr. Christ died as the eternal Son united to humanity. It's also true that the Holy Spirit ministered through him. We know that when our Lord Jesus was baptized, that the Holy Spirit descended upon the Son. We know that he was anointed to preach. Now, this is mystery. You have the third person of the Trinity aiding, equipping Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who took human form, became man, to preach the gospel. He was anointed by the Spirit to preach the gospel. There was power in Christ to preach the gospel. And there was also power to lay down his life as an offering for sin. And so you have two facts in one here. He is an eternal person, and he was ministered to by the power and unction of the Holy Spirit. And all of that adds up to the efficacy, the power of his blood that he shed as a sacrifice on that cross. And the blood of Jesus, and we might even say one drop of his blood, is equal to all the blood of beasts, all the blood of animals that could ever be shed for all eternity, because Christ died as God and as man. And so, settle it today. The blood of Jesus is unique, and it's supernatural in power, and therefore it brings peace. I enjoy peace. My conscience is satisfied. My conscience is purified, purged, it talks about here in this passage, because there is power in Jesus' blood. Are you enjoying that today? Are you going to take the cup by faith and the bread by faith today, saying, Lord, I, I'm delighting in this. This is my conviction, my delight, and I'm rejoicing in how you died for me and shed your blood that is so infinitely powerful to cleanse me. I therefore have great confidence, great delight in the blood of Jesus. That's, that's the bottom line. That's the testimony of every participant, every believer, every professor of faith in Christ. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us again as we bring the message of God's Word. Today in our segment on righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, we want to look at the right to die. Canada is facing a culture of death. From opioid overdoses to people that die at their own hands or call on doctors for medically assisted suicide, Never before has life been so devalued and so cheapened. As a gospel minister with the Word of God as my guide, I am called on to answer the question, what is wrong with our society? But when we realize that culture and society is made up of the thinking and behavior of individuals, the real question is, what is wrong with the human heart? 
This hit home to me recently after a late-night hospital visit to a terminally ill patient at his family request. When I found the ward where he had been admitted and introduced myself, I was immediately asked to leave, not by hospital staff, but by the patient. He had no interest in me reading the Bible with him, nor in prayer for his soul. With a heavy heart, I had to leave. To add to the darkness of the scene, I learned just days later that he had been euthanized. A social worker from Fraser Valley Health came around to his bed and offered him the possibility of medically-assisted suicide. He chose to have it, and at his own request, a medical professional came to his bedside and administered a deathly drug to end his life. As to his soul, we can only tremble. Does God give us the right to take our own lives? This will be answered very differently whether you believe you are created by God or that you are the product of evolution. If you believe in evolution, you believe that you are here in the world by the workings of blind chance. And if you believe that you are the product of chance, you may well adhere to the notion that no laws govern your existence, nor your behavior, and there is no one to hold you accountable. You then feel free to do with your own body as you please. You will also believe that you have no soul, and you will be annihilated after death. With that kind of thinking, you will most likely seek the pragmatic answers to suffering and pain. You will seek the easiest option possible, with no thought of life after death, even though you have no assurance that you will be better off after your life is ended. The attitude will be, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. To you, life is cheap, expendable, and a mere extension of the disposable society where we just throw away our trash by such things. On the other hand, if you believe that you have been created by an all-powerful designer and life-giver, and that you are a creature of his making for his glory, then your attitude will be very different. You will see that you are special and have eternal value, and then you will accept your Creator has the sole right to rule over you, to give you life here in this world and in the world to come which makes you of eternal value. You will accept that God created you with your gifts and your talents for a special purpose, and that each day He gives you life, you are called to live for His glory. Then also, if you believe that you are made in God's image, a reflection of the upright and moral character of God, who has given you intelligence to know right from wrong, you will understand the operation of your conscience, that inner judge of all that you do, think, or say. Then you recognize that you are a moral being, with eternal value, with a soul that will never die. To go one step further, the redeemed Christian knows that he is not his or her own, but is bought by the blood of Christ. Our bodies belong to the Lord. We are his property, not our own. It is the Lord who gives us life, and he alone has the right to take it again, as Job testified over the death of his children. We read in Job 121, and Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, 
and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the conviction of all who love the God of the Bible and follow the Lord's word. Human life that is divinely created is of eternal value, and being made in God's image, we take the command of God seriously. Thou shalt not kill. Sadly, we now have doctors of death in Canada who ply a trade to put patients to death. Now that legislators have made it legal to do so, it hasn't taken long for suggestions to follow that it is the legal right of all citizens, notwithstanding age or circumstances, to choose death over life. The clear line that life is sacred has been crossed. Life is made cheap, and now the discussion begins on the practice of euthanasia that it can cut costs to elder care in Canada. With staff shortages and money shortages, the obvious answer is already in the minds of too many in the business of administering health care to seniors, and that is the cause of a great deal of fear to all who enter high-level care or are admitted to hospices. Reports of these fears and concerns are showing up on our daily newspapers. Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, pointed out almost two years ago, when Hitler began purging from German society those whose lives he described as not worth living, he was allowed to do so by a complacent public. He began with the feeble and the mentally challenged. Those who were not feeble and those who were not mentally challenged allowed him to proceed. By the time he himself committed suicide, surrounded by Russian troops in his bomb-shattered Berlin, his final solution had extended to Jews, Poles, and other groups, and had engulfed the war in a war that cost over 60 million lives. The excuses and denials of his early purges had given way to flagrant killing of innocents, and his culture of death had swallowed up his promises of making Germany great again. Being there, done that, are we so blind that we would willingly repeat the mistakes of the past? I end the quote by Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, who pointed this out in a communique almost two years ago. While governments attempt to build in some safeguards to the system, such as insisting that two doctors sign off on the procedures to euthanize, we know human nature is ever inclined to beat the system or go beyond the ethically blurred lines to practice what is economical or convenient. When a society denies God, claims to be bound by no higher power or code of ethics, it can only spiral downward to cheapen life even further. As the Bible would put it, when the fool hath said in his heart there is no God, then the same fool will do foolishly, whether in the employment of government agencies or the business of elder care. Then we face a culture of death. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.